Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Skip Intro. I'm Ayman Rashad, and in the studio with me are Ian McNally and Julian Yap. And today we're going to talk about the new Martin Scorsese film called The Irishman. I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. Friend at the top. Back then, there was nobody in this country who didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was. It's gonna happen. Either way. He's going. So this movie came out yesterday on Netflix and it stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Amongst others. Amongst others. <laughs> you know, like, you know, the usual, I guess the usual people who are in Martin Scorsese yeah. films, right? Whoever has been in one, they're probably in this one too. I, I expect Harvey Keitel. I kind of, not sure if I expect Stephen Graham. We'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Well, this is one in a, I guess, a small collection of movies that are three hours long. This is actually three hours and like 27 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's quite an epic movie. So uh, you guys have seen it. What, um, what, what do you think about it? So it's based upon a book by an author called Charles Brandt. And literally on the way to the recording studio today, I happened across an article on Slate.com indicating that the whole thing might be completely fabricated. Oh, no. Oh, really? okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting article by um, Bill Tonelli from earlier this year. And it's about how the film is about, in a way, what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, but more somebody forest gumping their way through some of the main union related crime of the 60s and 70s although it doesn't there's no title card saying when it is right mm. nothing ever s- seems to be clear i mean th- there are some indications like um oh this is when uh gfk was president and yeah. those kind of things so it does give some kind of idea like yeah when so, it happened. so this guy frank sheen as played by robert de niro has supposedly just wandered in and out of some of the biggest historical events of the 20th century and this book was written by this frank sheen uh his um a medical examiner who helped him out with some law stuff later in life. And it's a single source book and it was published after his death. And apparently it doesn't corroborate with a lot of things. But it's a damn good read, apparently. So Scorsese thought it would make a damn good uh, book. And I think what this is, is while this movie kind of sums up Frank's life in crime, it also feels a little bit like Martin Scorsese hanging out with his friends and summing up their life in cinema. Mm -hmm. I mean, this movie begins with, uh, you know, De Niro... A young De Niro and an old Pesci, mm-hmm. which is weird because they're the same age. Are they? <laughs> they're actually the same age. They're actually both 76. But it's it's f- framed with a framing device within a couple of different framing devices. They're mm-hmm. on a car ride at some point in mm-hmm. the 70s by the looks of things. But it also flashes back to other times and it also flashes back to what you think is present day with yeah. even older Robert De Niro, who... I didn't look up a photo of what he looks like today. I know he went viral a while ago on GIFs and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think he looks much older in this than he does normally. <laughs> so it, it flashes back through how he gets involved with the mob. The, the book is the book it's based upon is called uh, I Paint I Heard You I Heard You Paint Houses, which is like painting the inside of houses with people's blood basically. Yeah. And, he, and they actually began the film with a title card of I Heard You Paint Houses. Yeah. <laughs> I was really I was really uh curious like why did they do that? They don't even explain it. Like there must be something about it because it's why call the movie The Irishman? 
Like it doesn't make any sense. Mm. But it, it, in the movie, it makes sense because he's a an Irish mobster and crime crime gangs run by Italians. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it does feel like Scorsese. You know, it's the Fast and Furious again. It's one last ride with the gang. You know, <laughs> like Joe Pesci. I don't know how much makeup they put on him. He looks real old in this at <laughs> the does. beginning of yeah. the movie, which is in the 70s. Mm. Al Pacino's, I didn't recognize him at first. Oh, yeah. Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I I just thought, oh, that's that one actor from that. He looks a little bit different. Everyone looks a little bit different. Were you thinking, I know that actor. Hooah! <laughs> oh, no? Even that reference is old. But th- that's one thing about this movie. There is a, they use some faith smoothing technology for... Mm-hmm. Because they could, I guess. There's a flashback to when Frank was in World War Two, mm-hmm. which is it's it's character building, but it doesn't really need to be there. And I think Robert De Niro is doing a thing, and like Robert De Niro is yeah. one of the greatest actors of all time. Mm-hmm. But when he's doing a thing, it can be really distracting. So even without the aging makeup, he's kind of pursing his lips a lot, and they've yeah. given him super blue eyes, yeah. which I don't think he has. I think his eyes. Are I brown. thought, yeah, I thought he did have them. I had to find out. But all the marketing for this film beforehand, all of the publicity has been on this, on the aging, the de- the up aging and the down aging, mm-hmm. and the Marvel I, face tech. Yeah, and I thought it would be distracting but it's not i think Mm. it does help tell a very well-threaded through story of how essentially old robert de niro telling a story of his entire life like he said so it's paced out exactly like how an old man would tell a story (laughs) he sat right in front of you he looks you straight in the eye and he tells you a story of his life and it feels very organic and Mm. moves like a, a narrative should it does feel like a, of a piece with Goodfellas as well. You know, the, the time, the suits. Uh, we talked about the title card at the beginning of it. Mm. There's also a nice little joke. It's not quite Zombieland, but they do have titles that pop up for yeah. real people in the story. Yeah. And a lot of them are gangsters that are like, you know, died horribly in a hail of bullets in 1980. And they just mm-hmm. pop up, freeze frame for a second and then move on. Mm-hmm. It still has that, you know. It has the big, short, cheeky Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And it is, it is kind of funny. It is. There's, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a weird mm-hmm. funniness to it. Some of which is Al Pacino, who is reining it in. He's figured out how to act again after doing that hua thing <laughs> in Sense of a Woman years ago and nearly getting an Oscar. He actually is acting. And there's a beautiful moment where he's ranting as uh, Jimmy Hoffa about, you know, the his goons have done something be- where, you know, they've done something where it could expose him to, you know, legal you know, legal problems. And, you know, as the head of the Teamsters Union, he's supposed to be above all that, even though he's got his hands in every single pie. And it's just a moment where he's screaming at people. like, you idiots, you're going to get me locked up. I'm going to jail. You know, I'm going to jail. <laughs> and it's just that switch is hilarious. And it's a different kind of humor, I think, that we've seen from Scorsese before. Yeah. Um, I mean... Because when I watched this film, right, in my mind, I was always thinking, this is three and a half hours long. So yeah. I found myself always scrutinizing things like, where could they have tightened things up? And what I thought of was, I think that some of the dialogue was, some of it was unnecessary and could have been tightened up. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, for example, there's one bit when uh, Robert De Niro is hired to um, set this linen factory on fire. And then he meets his bosses. And the bosses are like, do you know who owns like half of the shares in this uh, uh, factory? And De Niro was like, I don't. And the boss was like, I do. And he's like, okay, who? <laughs> and he's like, no, I own the shares. It's the shares. Tell, yeah. so that, that went on for a bit. And I felt like this could have been tighter and could have saved more time. See, that's I, also that's what I thought, right? Mm, yeah. But I think there's not a single bit that I'd cut out as well. Mm. I feel like every minute is 
as mundane or as exciting as it is have been has been used well i mm. wouldn't it's the kind of thing where every character in this is supposedly larger than life and legendary if they were or were not real or if if, if any of this is fiction or non-fiction but the idea of having a an important character in history you want to know what they've done you want to know what kind of ice cream they like and how they eat it <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa's ice cream factors a lot in this I think, yeah. I think it has fourth billing after the main stars <laughs> as the movie gets near the end I think there are like it is basically a three hour Netflix version of My Way for Frank Sinatra song like he did it all his way but like mm-hmm. at the end he has some regrets mm-hmm. he has a few and his ones are kind of, they may be small in number but they're big in scope mm-hmm. um, and I, when, I want to bring back to what I said earlier about as well when Robert De Niro is doing a thing Mm-hmm. I find that some of that needs to be gone as well where it's just like you know he's been flustered in front of Joe Pesci that's a thing we've seen that's like again that's <laughs> one of the pillars of cinematic uh, history is just him you know mugging you know that mugging face if you think of Robert De Niro he's doing the thing with his eyebrows he's looking down <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing yeah. and he's just like no no you know and Joe Pesci's going <laughs> off at him there's elements of that but the actual performances the the, the storyline Jesse Plemons turns up and it's like hey you <laughs> that's my have, son yeah you wouldn't have got that in a shorter movie I don't think this is something that anyone should watch three hours thirty minutes full one sitting one I think sitting it's, yeah. hmm. it's I think it's okay to jump in and out of this maybe watch it in three hour chunks uh, three chunks maybe mm, I did split it in two but it was last night this, then this morning and I actually think some of it there are lines that are repeated and there's a situation where you know young Frank which is again a hilarious concept when it's Robert De Niro like, there's no real time set around what age he's supposed to be I think from that Slate article they said he was 43 but it's hard when he starts his crime career so it's kind of hard to tell what's going on mm-hmm. there mm. but there are like there's a section he's asking Ray Romano for help about like some dodgy dealings he did with uh, early in his career and then when he's actually head of a, a Teamster union mm-hmm. like one of the, the sub one of the local groups the situation is reversed and some young guys asking him there's some lines that echo throughout the decades as it were mm-hmm. and I think it's it is just a big ask it's not like <laughs> it's not a huge epic movie you know there's an awful lot of driving in classic cars that mm. yep. I mean that's there's, there's some all the all the violence is very matter of fact you're not getting yeah. long prolonged gunfights there's not action scenes as such there's literally hey buddy and it's like a pal's like hey Frank how you doing and then bang bang <laughs> he paints the, paints the house and then it's out Mm-hmm. So there is that element of it. I think it could have been shorter and I don't think it would have hurt the film. I do think it is beautiful, though. Mm. It's, I wish we had gotten it in the cinema. Mm. Uh, it, even at the start of the film, it, we're, you're just plonked right in the middle of the, the time. Yes, you're <laughs> plonked right in the middle of the time that you're supposed to be in and it's completely enveloping and it's characters living their life. It also happens to be a life of crime yeah. and Al Pacino is there, but it's a fun experience. Yeah, those, those, long, those long single takes, there's about mm-hmm. 16 of them in the movie, isn't yeah. it? but they all feel really good the one thing I actually think I should say as well is this, the, the face check and everything else they can do they can't disguise the fact that these are older men and they're just getting a bit like slimmer they're just a little bit puffy yeah the, the jackets and everything they're wearing are like two sizes too big to yeah. make them look like they're strapping young men <laughs> it's a bit weird <laughs> So we've been talking about The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, which just came out on Netflix yesterday. Have you guys seen it? Let us know what you think about it. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899, tweet us at SkipIntroMY, or you can write us at movies at bfm.my. And coming up, since this is a three-hour-and-a-half movie, right? there's plenty more to talk about. It's a three-and-a-half-hour episode today. Episode, yeah. <laughs> so there's plenty more to talk about The Irishman. So keep it here on Skip Intro, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. 
Hello everyone, you're listening to Skip Intro with Ayman, Ian and Julian. And earlier we were talking about The Irishman, which is the movie by Martin Scorsese starring Robert De Niro, uh, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. So we've touched on uh, quite a few things in the, the performance and you know the structure of the movie. But I want to ask you guys, do you think it should have been three hours and a half? Well, I think as Julian said, there's like, you know, there's not much you could take out of it, but I think there might be a few things you could probably take out of it. <laughs> but yeah, there is that question of why do movies need to be that long? Mm. Like if you've had 20 years and you've had, what was it, 20 years? No, 10 years and 20 movies leading mm. up to Avengers Age of, no, not that one. What's it called? I mean, uh, uh, Inf- Endgame. Infinity War. Uh, I've already Endgame, forgotten yeah. Endgame's name because <laughs> I've only seen that. I saw that movie, that cinema in the movie twice and I'll probably never see it again because that's a long commitment to yeah. have. Mm-hmm. But that's a... Like, what is it that makes a three-hour movie? It's supposed to be an epic, I guess. For me, for years, it was always... Gone with the Wind was the one in my mind. You know, I think in the 80s and 90s, it was like, get people into the seats, get them out. It's, it's becoming a problem now because cinemas make their movies and popcorn and everything else. And a three-hour movie eats up over the course of a day. You could probably screen another five, six movies within yeah. that time mm. that you are got all these paying customers in. But, like, Gone with the Wind was this epic story of the fall of the South. It's like oh, they've managed to fit it into three hours. You know, <laughs> yeah. you feel like you're getting a bargain with that. But then also, films like Gone with the Wind, Sound of Music, West Side Story, they all had intermissions. That's true. So mm-hmm. it was, they felt like events, right? Mm. I, I'm assuming. And they still feel like events when you're watching them on your TV at home or on your computer because it feels like you have to take that break because we're about to move to the second act. Mm. When a film just continues on as a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour thing, when before we were so used to the 90-minute cutoff time, mm. But I feel like a lot of films have suffered because of excessive editing for to keep within that 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Mm. And it feels like any film, any... Charlie's Angels was two hours long. I loved, <laughs> I loved it, but it really didn't have to be two hours yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything, the, the norm now is two hours, yeah. right? I mean, sometimes you watch a three-hour movie right, and you do either don't notice or you don't mind because you really enjoy it. And I'm thinking of um, The Return of the King because yeah. it's the third movie in the Lord of the Rings franchise. And these are, and I think that the reason why I don't mind about it, first of all, it's epic. It's yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? It's and literally epic. It's literally <laughs> epic, yeah. And you've followed these characters for like, two movies already in the and first you, movie and really care and that, about them as well. It might have been like between six and eight hours as well depending on how, when the extended editions came out because yeah. you could have already watched is it three and a half four hours something like that? Yeah. Some mm. of them are like, like super long if you, and if, them, if you yeah. had them all together it's crazy long. I, I remember there was one time in London they organised this screening like Lord of the Rings marathon I mm. think it was the extended version. My friend went <laughs> went to see it he came in like that night and came out the next morning <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> at 7am or something like that. But, yeah so films like Lord of the Rings right you just really love it and you wish it didn't end and maybe Peter Jackson got the idea that's why it has like 10 different endings as well. Hmm. But but then let's counter yeah. that with The Hobbit. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which really doesn't have to be as long as it is. It's adding fat to a, a lean story that doesn't really need the fat. It should have been one movie. Yeah. And I'm sure, uh, what's his name? Topher Grace has a really good edit of it. <laughs> I don't know one, one movie. It's Topher Grace who, if you don't know, he he's edited the three Star Wars prequels down into one good movie apparently mm-hmm. and because it's a, it's a bootleg edit he only shows it to his friends. It is that that idea the epic thing and like p- capping off like leading up to it I think is pretty good but there is such a thing as too much of a good thing you know you think Apocalypse Now is like ooh 
I would love more of that. You know, that that world that couple are made and, you know, mm-hmm. the craziness of the jungle. And especially once you've heard all the insanity of what went into making that movie. And I saw Apocalypse Now Redux. I think it was in 70 millimeter in a cinema. Mm-hmm. And it might have been one of the longest, most drawn out painful experiences of my <laughs> life. There's a whole section where they go to a French plantation where you're like, I can see why this is cut. And then 20 minutes later, it's like, I can really see why this is being cut. <laughs> uh, it does add stuff like, you know, there's the classic thing of the, the flight of the Valkyries with the helicopters coming in over the village and Robert Duval doing the whole speech, you know, while bombs are going off around them and like, you know, it breaks both ways of the waves and everything. And there's an extra scene they did add, which is like the guys get away from this crazy guy, but they steal his surfboard. And it's an extra scene where the helicopters are going, the Hueys are flying through the jungle saying like, it's okay, I won't hurt you if you bring back my surfboard. And... <laughs> I can't say the extra, because I think, I can't remember, Coppola's done another version now, I think, or there's apparently a version that's four or five hours long. I think that one extra scene might have made a nice DVD extra, but Mm -hmm. the additional, like, sitting there, and especially when I saw an art art cinema that was not like your big comfy multiplex, and those seats were not comfortable. (laughs) And I think if you're starting to think about your butt while you're watching a movie, it's too long. Mm. Yeah. This also shows how important editors are. Mm. You know, yeah. we have a lot of films where, well, let's release the Snyder Cut. You know, directors' cuts of films. They aren't... Oh, you said they... the Snyder Cut now. That's it. <laughs> R.I.P. our mentions. <laughs> In, like, yes, you want to see a director's complete vision, but also mm. editors are editors for a reason. They're not just there to shorten down the, a film time, but it's to get the story as lean and as tight and as perfect as it can be so it's Mm. hitting all the narrative beats. Mm. Um, One that I think was way too long and really didn't have to be because I really, I was thinking about my butt because it was not comfortable was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this year because similar to The Irishman, even though it is going through lives and events in these people's lives, it wasn't adding anything. Yeah. Watching Margot Robbie in the car for about a minute. I think on, it was the Brad Pitt driving to the radio for like a re- real time across Los really Angeles. It really didn't <laughs> add anything. Mm. I think when it is that long, you need a reason to. So going back to Lord of the Rings, right? Like there's not a scene in any of the three films that I would cut. Yeah. Because any of the the quieter, softer scenes when they are, you know, cooking breakfast, 11Zs, like that's where all the, the good stuff comes from. That's where you learn about your characters. I want to see the the Lord of the Rings, but with no cooking edit. I love <laughs> <laughs> but it is something I think as well, like the importance of pacing and, and to your movie, like movies that go to Netflix seem to yeah. suffer from this a lot more where Netflix are like, just take the money and do it as long as you want. People will, will, will tell you later how it did on the stats, which I think is a mistake. I was listening to an interview with, um, Larry Krasowski and Scott Alexander, who were the writers of My Name is Dolomite, mm. which is, I think, was it 90 minutes, I think, roughly? It wasn't super long. Yeah. Um, but they talked about a little scene where they had a whole thing with Eddie Murphy about his father and everything else, and it wasn't working the scene or it was dragging things out. And so they just cut to him in one side of the room, to the other side of the room, there's like three minutes gone. And it actually, you know, the, the movie, in test screenings, people said, like, you know, I appreciate his character more because of this one scene being in and out, because they were getting bored of that scene in the middle of it. And that's the focus it should be like what's the story about what yeah. needs to be in there for the story and like with the lord of the rings again i forgot about all the tom bombadil stuff because it's been <laughs> so long since i'd read the books mm. to get to the movie and a friend of mine had just finished reading them and she was yeah. so mad that he was gone and i was when i remembered who it was i was so happy he was gone yeah if you if you can cut out a character for timing yeah i mean for it. timing but not hurting your story the story yeah. is king right mm-hmm. so we've been uh, talking about three hour movies and like what works and what doesn't. So let us know, what do you think makes a good three-hour movie? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899, tweet us at skipintromy, or you can write us at movies at bfm.my. 